welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And big daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen, the final one from Oklahoma for the foreseeable future. I have to tell you that working with these teams in Sooner Country has been great. There are some phenomenal leaders here in this industry. The men and women working day in and day out in the oil and gas industry contribute so much to this sector of our national security. They are fine Americans, and it is truly my pleasure to be able to assist them in their efforts. My next engagement will take me to a location I have not been to yet, so I'm looking forward to that aspect of my travels. Summertime in the desert, woohoo! Many of you agree with me that the sound quality of last week's hotel room episode was much better than my previous episodes recorded in a hotel room. Well, the secret to that was that I built a pillow fort of sorts to record the show in. I used the cushions from my hotel room sofa and placed them on the desk surrounding my recording equipment. It really dampened the background noise here in the room. I'm doing that again this week and will do so in all future episodes that I record while on the road. It's amazing what a couple of cushions can do, right? Also, I survived the Build Back Better fiasco with my new truck. It was delivered last week and Denise went to pick it up. I put some pictures up on my social media pages of what I will call the Blue Beast. The old red F-150 has now been officially replaced by a blue Silverado 2500 Heavy Duty. It is much bigger than the last truck and it kind of intimidates Denise right now. It's wider, longer, taller... But the large side view mirrors are the biggest problem for her. She gets to drive it before I do, and she also got to bring Harlow along for one of the rides. I am looking forward to driving around Sevier County in it with Harlow, oh, and Denise, co-piloting it with me. Before we move on, I want to share with you my thoughts on the new movie that just came out called Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel. Well, Jim Caviezel does have a significant role in the movie, but he is not the star or the biggest hero of this true story turned into a movie. To find out who the true heroes in the story are, go see it. Do not wait for it to come out on a streaming service. There is something about watching a movie in a theater that somehow makes it better. 
There's no pause button and almost no distractions. Unless you count the sniffling from the old guy in the seats watching the evil being wrought on children all over the world that is portrayed in the movie. Yes, that old guy was me. I do not want to put any spoilers out there, but I do want to encourage each and every one of you to go and watch that movie. Bring tissues as well. I didn't, and I should have, I'm not ashamed to say. I believe it is the most important movie of our generation. Some of the biggest indicators of just how important this movie is come from the left-wing media themselves. Included in the video of this episode are screenshots of articles deriding or downplaying this movie. Publications such as Rolling Stone and the Washington Post. We cannot leave out the commies on social media either, or The Guardian. They want to link this movie to QAnon in order to discredit it. You know what would be interesting, folks? How about we take a look at the hard drives of the people writing these disparaging articles about a movie that wants to bring attention to the scourge of child sex trafficking? Writers such as Miles Clee from the Rolling Stone magazine, his description of the movie was this, quote, Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brainworms, unquote. He goes on to describe Jim Caviezel's claim to fame as being tortured to death in Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. We know exactly what side of the cross this man stands on now, don't we? Further down in his review, he gives this telling bit of information, quote, Others of their ilk had primed the public to accept Sound of Freedom as a documentary rather than delusion by formatting moral panic for years over this grossly exaggerated epidemic of child sex trafficking, unquote. Grossly exaggerated, hmm. Using a phrase like that makes me wonder just what number of child trafficking victims is acceptable or not exaggerated to him. Again, I think we should take a look at Miles' laptop. Just one child being sex trafficked is too many, but apparently Miles thinks the roughly 300000 a year may be missing the mark. Or how about the article in The Guardian? There is no byline attribution for their story about this movie. The article is titled, Sound of Freedom, the QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. It goes on to state, Jim Caviezel stars as a hero trying to stop child traffickers in a paranoid new movie turning into a surprise box office hit. They actually use the word paranoid in their description of the movie. Did you know that there are more people in slavery today around the planet than when it was legal? Millions of those in slavery are children. And here the unnamed author wants us to believe this is a paranoid movie. More from The Guardian as well, and this time from Guardian film critic Charles Bramisco, I think that's how you pronounce it. In his review of the film, he wrote that it was, quote, disappointingly unjuicy. That's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? He went on to describe the sexually abused children as dirty-faced moppets. Well, maybe the film didn't meet his expectations in what he truly wanted to see, if you know what I mean. The Washington Post, the purveyors of the fake pee-pee tape and Clinton-fabricated steel dossier, had to get in on the action, too. Herb Scribner and Will Summer at that rag attacked Jim Caviezel in order to denigrate the film. When people will lie and denigrate a film that is meant to shine a light on the evil of child sex trafficking, it should make you question their motives. Never forget, you will always get the most flack when you are over the target. 
the amount of flack being put out by these people in legacy media and on social media about this film, I believe, and this is just me talking, I believe it is because they themselves have something to hide. Perhaps their participation. Maybe, time will tell. It is time to start rolling out the millstones, people. You'll see what I mean by that at the end of the show. Well, enough of the personal update, and now on to this week's topic of lies. I mean, besides the lies told by the media to hide their possible participation or personal benefit in the scourge of sex trafficking, but about lies by the government and the lie we all believe that we can rely on the court system to correct the course of our republic. As usual, it seems that our government cannot stop themselves from lying to us. Lies must be like oxygen to the usurpers and their allies, because without the lies, they would not survive. Just a couple of the many lies that are prevalent in American politics and culture today are those that surround gender-affirming care and that we would need to rely on the judicial system or the courts to solve our problems. Heck, even the term gender-affirming care is a lie. True gender-affirming care for children would be to assist them in feeling comfortable and secure in their own skin, in their own bodies that they were born with. It definitely isn't gender-affirming care to remove their testicles and then carve up other parts of a boy to quote-unquote create a vagina. Or Frankensteining their bodies to make it easier for them to believe their mental illness is real. Doing that only affirms their mental illness and is in no way returning them to a healthy condition. This lie about gender-affirming care has become so pervasive in our society that even so-called conservative judges have been blinded by it. I warned about this in my latest newsletter. The warning is this, if you live by the court, you will die by the court. Meaning, as I said earlier, that believing the lie that we can rely on the justice system to fix our nation's ills is the wrong way to go. We've been living under a form of judicial tyranny ever since the Supreme Court of the United States assumed extra-constitutional duties in its Marbury v. Madison decision in 1803. In that decision, as we have discussed many times on the show before, the court assumed authorities not granted in Article Three of the Constitution. That is what I mean, die by the court. Waiting, oftentimes for many years, For the court to issue a decision is not the design for governing the republic that the founding fathers envisioned for this country. And sometimes those decisions can be reversed by the very same court. Not the very same people, but the institution itself. Just ask any Roe v. Wade supporter how they feel about the court's latest decision regarding abortion. To rectify the situation, we the people need to elect constitutional originalists to office at all levels of government. And we also need to keep the pressure on them to only pass legislation that is clear in purpose and clear in words so they cannot be misinterpreted by the courts. Legislative bodies all across the country should only be writing laws that meet the intention of our state and federal constitutions. That is to say, legislation that limits government and not the people, that protects the people's inalienable, self-evident, God-given rights. That includes freedom from corporate and medical tyranny. There are a couple of cases out there that we can point to which bear this out. On the 30th of June, just a couple of weeks ago, A federal district judge in Texas ruled that the ATF exceeded its authority when issuing a rule concerning frames and receivers. 
The ATF's frame and receiver rule was just another government direct attack on the Second Amendment, which is not surprising, right? Because government's goal is to live out this quote from Vladimir Lenin. One man with a gun can control 100 without one. If only the government has guns, they can easily control the people. The judge also stated that it was a violation of the separate of powers doctrine, because once again, a federal agency was attempting to alter and expand the definition of a term that Congress had included in the Gun Control Act of 1968. Control the language, control the narrative, and the outcome. Every single federal agency has done this exact same thing. They make up their own rules as they go, eroding the liberty of the people. Exactly opposite of what the Constitution is designed to prevent, and that is to limit government power, not the people's control over the government. Speaking of the Gun Control Act of 1968, it is also an attack on the right of the people to keep and bear arms. That whole shall not be infringed part of the Second Amendment was completely disregarded when that law was passed. Here's the summary of the court's conclusion, quote, This case presents the question of whether the federal government may lawfully regulate partially manufactured firearm components, related firearm products, and other tools and materials in keeping with the Gun Control Act of 1968. Because the court concludes that the government cannot regulate those items without violating federal law, the court holds that the government's recently enacted final rule, definition of frame or receiver, and identification of firearms is unlawful agency action taken in excess of the ATF's statutory jurisdiction. On this basis, the court vacates the final rule. Unquote. Legal battles or fights such as these in the judicial branch of the government would never have been required if Congress and those in control of Congress would just follow their oaths. Not only in either limiting the abuses of the Department of Justice and the ATF, but in not passing pretended legislation that actually violates the Constitution, such as the Gun Control Act. I would like to urge you all, once again, to read the Second Amendment, along with Congress's enumerated powers in Article I, Section 8 of the Constitution. You would find that the creation of an agency such as the ATF is not even contemplated there. If it isn't in the enumerated powers, then Congress does not have the authority to create it. This applies to many other agencies in existence today, such as the Department of Education. But this is just one of many examples of we the people having to rely on the court system to restrain the government, believing the lie of reliance on the judicial branch of the government. The best check on government power and abuse of that power is, or it's supposed to be, us. We've really got to step back up to the plate and start swinging for the fences, if you know what I mean. Like the good communists they are, the administration will appeal this decision and keep this usurpation of our liberty tied up in the courts. The same thing applies to having to rely on the courts for situations concerning the lie that is quote-unquote gender-affirming care. Late last month, a judge of the Fifth Federal Circuit, which serves Middle Tennessee, issued a parcel injunction in joining Senate Bill 1. This law was passed by the Tennessee General Assembly in March of this year and signed by Governor Lee, imagine my surprise here, on the 23rd of March. It was to go into effect, or was supposed to go into effect, on the 1st of July. This law 
would prohibit medical procedures for minor children that would enable transitions from one gender to another. But you really can never transition from one gender to another. Have you ever seen a Pizza Hut that's now a new business? You always know that that building was a Pizza Hut. Anyway, many of you may remember, although some may not, that this law was proposed in response to the news about Vanderbilt University's pediatric transgender clinic, which came to light in the latter half of last year. The dirty little secret is that most lawmakers knew what was already going on there before the reporting. But Tennessee legislators were only spurred into action after some phenomenal reporting on the clinic was done by Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire. Anyway, these procedures included the use of hormone-blocking medications like the chemical castration medication given to sex offenders and other prohibited procedures which include surgeries that would alter or remove healthy body parts specifically genitalia. As I said, this fifth federal circuit judge issued an injunction at the 11th hour to prevent that law from going into effect. The judge there, his name is Eli J. Richardson. He was nominated to this position by none other than President Trump. One would think he would be of the mind of protecting children from atrocities like those that were occurring at Vanderbilt. But did this judge show loyalty or fealty to the Constitution? Or did he show loyalty to his alma mater? Because it would seem that Judge Richardson received his Juris Doctorate degree from Vanderbilt. One has to wonder what behind-the-scenes shenanigans were happening between Vanderbilt and Judge Richardson. We all know that Vanderbilt's pediatric transgender clinic was a cash cow. The university bragged about it but protecting children from chemical and physical mutilation, sometimes protecting their life and liberty from these children's own trans-housing-by-proxy-syndrome parents never entered his judicial mind. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Judge Richardson said in his ruling that the plaintiffs may have a legitimate complaint that the new Tennessee law violates their 14th Amendment rights to equal protections because they identify as transgendered which would mean they are being discriminated against and not allowed to access the care they have a right to through the consent of their trans housing by proxy parents. You see, even a so-called conservative judge can't believe that people can quote-unquote identify as transgender. That's a made-up category of gender that allows our government, through coercion, to make other people participate in the mental illness of an individual. Judge Richardson isn't a jurist concerned with the constitutional issues. He is a jurist that has been infected with the woke mind virus pushed by the alphabet mafia. Thankfully, though, another jurist found Judge Richardson's injunction to be flawed. Just the other day, on the 8th of July, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a stay on the district court's ruling. What that means is this. Judge Richardson had blocked the law, SP1, which protected minor children from physical and chemical mutilation, the Sixth Circuit has now preliminarily allowed the enforcement of this law pending a hearing and an appellate ruling on September 30th of 2023. That means, at least for now, children are protected from these procedures in the volunteer state. There are many things about this new ruling that have the potential to be concerning, and that will be fleshed out in the coming weeks, but it still points us to the fact that we are actually living in a judicial tyranny, 
The will of the people, as expressed in the writing, debate, passage, and signing into law of Senate Bill 1, is being subverted by the judicial system, by the judicial branch. And we all know that this is just one example. There are plenty more. Let's talk about the recent decision in the Missouri versus Biden case. A federal judge's injunction, which is a fancy word for a smackdown, much like Judge Eli Richardson tried to do to the will of the Tennessee people, well, another federal judge issued an injunction against the usurper's administration in that case. That means the judge believes that the government's censorship efforts, using third parties, will not stand up under review. The judge's injunction prevents federal officials from communicating and coordinating with social media platforms for, quote, the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech, unquote. A big First Amendment win, you would say, right? Again, though, this fight for our constitutionally protected rights is happening in the judicial branch of the same federal government that violated those rights. Plus, the evil cabal in D.C. already appealed this decision. The cojones on these people. Individuals elected to serve the will of the people are circumventing the guardrails put into place on their power in the Constitution by outsourcing their censorship activities. Of course, the legacy commie news media continues to carry water for their masters in government. I read this in a recent fact check by USA Today. The liberal rag, staffed by full-blown commies, leads off the fact check with this statement. The claim, the Biden administration formally filed to overturn the First Amendment. They continued with this. Our rating, false. The claim is referencing an appeal by the Justice Department after a federal judge blocked government officials from coordinating with social media companies. The appeal can't overturn the First Amendment. Constitutional changes require an extensive approval process that includes ratification by three-fourths of the state legislatures. Well, either the commies at the USA Today are full-blown stupid, or they believe their readers are full-blown stupid. I believe the latter is true. But anyway, of course a constitutional amendment is required to change the Constitution. The commies over at USA Today still don't address the fact that the government already violated Americans' constitutionally protected First Amendment rights without an amendment. And their appeal of the injunction proves they want to continue doing so. In other words, amending the Constitution without really amending the Constitution. That is the way our federal government has been operating for more than 100 years now and will continue to do so if we the people continue to believe the lie that the court system will put it all to rights. Only we can put it to rights. Nobody, not even the judicial system, is coming to our rescue. Quit believing that lie. Because if you live by the courts, you, and that's all of us, will die by the courts. We all have to get involved in our system of self-governance instead of leaving it up to the courts. And the voters that support the fundamental transformation of our constitutional republic into a communist tyranny. Well, that's it for this week's folks. I am once again asking that you share this podcast with everyone in your contact list. Find my weekly posts on all of my social media platforms and share them as well. I'm on True Social, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Getter, Gab, Rumble, YouTube, and MeWe. Of course, you could also subscribe to the blog at libertyleadershipandlies.com. No www in the web address, just libertyleadershipandlies.com. 
Subscribe and follow the show on Rumble or YouTube so you will get notified whenever a new episode is released. Please do the same thing on Apple or Spotify podcast. Encourage your family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers to do the same. For those of you that receive my monthly newsletter, I put out a call to action in the latest one. That call to action is a means to finding out how much our local government has succumbed to following false teachings and partnering with organizations determined to erode our liberty. Please do your part. If you want to find out more about this call to action, send me an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. I will forward you the call to action. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Proverbs 1, 30-33. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Again, that comes to us from the book of Proverbs, also known as the book of wisdom. After hearing that bit of scripture from more than 2,500 years ago, I see that it also applies today. We, as a nation, are eating the fruit of our rotting culture today. A rotting culture that is targeting not just our children, but every child on the planet. Targeting with messaging meant to confuse them meant to drive a wedge between them and their parents. Messages that caused them to not seek out answers about themselves and their purpose from the true source of all answers, from the source of life. And in doing so, it is dragging them and all of us into darkness. Once again, I urge you all to see the movie, The Sound of Freedom. You will actually be surprised when it is revealed to you what the sound actually is. You may or may not be surprised by the facts about the evils of child sex trafficking that are revealed in the movie. What you should not be surprised about is how deeply sad but convicted this movie will make you feel. Which leads me to one more passage of scripture I need to share with you all. It was mentioned in the movie, but it also applies to what we are seeing around the nation in public schools and public libraries today. This passage from Scripture in the New Testament is also a calling for all of us to heed. It comes to us from Luke 17, 2. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Our Lord and Savior calls us to protect the children. We can all do a part in this calling. Once again, thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me, Revely. It's time to wake up.